Hey, Samir. Hi. I'm not Samir. You're, you're not? I'm Philip. Oh. What's up? How Why are aren't you Samir? Oh my goodness. Samir, where are you? Oh no. You've, you've, you've assimilated him. I guess so. You've pulled an Agent Smith. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Neo, this is the time. The Matrix is coming all to an end. This is like the eighth cycle now, you know? It just had to be marked by this coronavirus yeah. of the world. Pretty much. Yeah. Not even director is safe from it. But really, who are you? Oh. How do we know each other? Yeah, how do we know each other? We actually, like Samir, we all went to Vanguard College. That's just a Bible college, and it's a Pentecostal one, though I'm not personally fully Pentecostal. You could say, yeah, I'm like a Frankenstein's monster of theology all put together, but we met, I forget exactly how, probably in the chapel or in the prayer room. We, we were both having our little prayer sessions. You asked me, if I was going through spiritual warfare and you mentioned that you had seen a vision of this giant angel hovering yes. above my body. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if that was the first time. So I, but yeah, no, I remember it. I actually, I remember what that angel looked like. You were by a window and he was sort of outside the window. Then there was like another vision. You told me, yeah, that's pretty legit. And yeah. I, okay. So it went from there. Okay. So how's God been working in your life? this past uh, week i'm i'm just coming off of like an intense mental physical burnout so this past week has been just a time of awesome refreshment and just inspiration actually so i'm a fan of markiplier he's a youtuber probably everybody would know him and just seeing his story of how he just wanted to do what he's doing and then seeing you guys do your podcast and it's like you know there's, there's new life in me so I actually started my own podcast. It's called the Noble Heretic Podcast. I don't know if I could slip that in, but... No, you can. <laughs> okay, sweet. If you have anything that you want to promote, then by all means, do so. As long as it's not Satanism. Okay, I will try. I noticed there's some Satanist books in our college once. You know, for research purposes only. But how has God been working in your life? I would say how God has been working in my life is just finally being able to launch the podcast, uh, mm. getting everything together, finding out that some things didn't work and having to spend about an hour or two trying to fix those things. I, I guess the best analogy I would use is that it's like you've just built your very first dune buggy and mm. you think to yourself, this is awesome. I'm going to, I'm going to take it out for a test drive. Right, and then as you're driving it around the sand dunes, you realize that uh, there are parts of the vehicle that are starting to fall off, and you have to do what you can to fix those parts while at the same time driving around. Nice. That's it's perfect. not like I can, I can launch this thing and then sort through every problem in a vacuum. Once it's out, it's out. Wow. Okay, so it's like highs and lows there. Yeah. But otherwise, you know, super happy for you guys again to start that podcast. I'm a, I listen to, I think, every episode, actually. Yeah. Every available episode. Oh, dang, there's a schedule. What? <laughs> okay. You think this yeah, is just like, random? Oh, like your podcast, random? Yeah. Well, it seems so structured for something that you guys are just doing. Like, legit, I'm a fan. Okay. And I, I guess I'll get into the topics we could go through. In my whole Christian walk, I was not raised in one particular mode, like the Baptist church or a Pentecostal church. I was sort of a mixture of all of them coming together. And when it came to Vanguard, that's when the Pentecostal side of me really blew up. But the foundation is like, stick to the word, 
go for the truth no matter where it's going. And I don't know. Do you want to segue into yes. the first thing? Okay. So we were talking beforehand about kind of topics we wanted to discuss on this particular episode. And you mentioned that you wanted to go through your ideas of apostleship and the open canon. What's that yes. all about? Um, okay, so I am coming way out of left field here. I okay. think pretty much if when we say modern apostle and I've slipped in modern prophet and open canon, people will think Mormonism, this is heresy, this dude is crazy, don't listen to him, my credibility has gone out the window. Well, how is it not Mormonism? Yeah, okay. First thing, I'm not a Mormon. I stick to the Bible. I've actually tried to convert Mormons to the correct form of Christianity. So yeah, I don't believe we can become gods. I just believe that you could say the spiritual gifts of apostle and prophet continue today and that there is no evidence to say that either from scripture or history that those things should have ceased or have ceased or just kind of jumbled. But the ideal is they'll continue and there's nothing saying that scripture or the canon is closed. So, yeah, so if the canon is open, then why hasn't anything been added to it in the last 1700 years? I think ultimately it's up to God. Because if I remember right, the period of time before Malachi and Matthew is about 400 years. So God's fine with silence. And when you look at his relationship with King Saul and King David, they're a foil. God was pretty much cutting King Saul off, giving him the cold shoulder and not responding to his prayers. Whereas with David, when David would inquire, he would draw near and answer him. So I'm like, the gifts are there. God could speak, but he's actually okay with silence. And if the whole church is taught to reject it in open canon and to trust in a finished one, then God can actually give us what we want. So that, that would be my answer. And I, to this day, I haven't found anything that I would slip into my Bible and staple it on and be like, yeah, Bible 2.0. What, what would you see as like the requirements for anything to be added into the canon? I think we'd have to know probably a good idea of who the author is. Well, we don't know who the author of yeah. Hebrews is, and it's they still should. scripture which is true. And then we would look at how the church as a whole would look at the scripture. So we'd all be like, yeah, the church pretty much through history has felt the hand of God through Hebrews. And it's consistent with past revelations. That's another thing I would consider as well. Does it contradict in any way uh, what has been previously revealed? And if God has picked a guy or woman and has shown his power through them, then just like how Jesus has taught his disciples and disciples had so many miracles to authenticate their writings. It makes sense. If that happened today, then yeah, I'd accept it. So do you know of any book in the past 1700 years that would fit any of that criteria? Nah, not that I know of. Okay. Maybe it's tucked away in some African cave, I don't know, or something like that. A Dead Sea Scroll we missed. So what about, I believe the, the correct term is the deuterocanonical books? Would those be considered uh, scripture? And I think the other word is apocrypha. And for those who don't know, that's just books that the Roman Catholicism, Roman Catholics have a bigger canon and Protestants we don't. So thanks first and second Maccabees. For those, it seems that really logical scholarship would say that there's historical problems and theological problems in those books. That's why we can decide which ones fit in the canon. It, it just breaks the consistency of scripture if you add those books into our 66 book canon. I, I guess like the idea that you're trying to put forward, it's a little revolutionary and it's potentially heretical, but at the same time, 
nothing is being done with it. And so it's a little harmless in its own way. Yeah, it was really birthed out of a strive for consistency because when I came to Vanguard, I was really weary of the Pentecostal thing, like being slain in the spirit. Where is that in the Bible? Speaking in tongues and there's no interpreter. I'm like, where is that in the Bible? So I, I was really skeptical. And then now, over, like over time, I became, I think, I've been gifted with prophecy and I was gifted with speaking in tongues and my mind was just getting open and open. And then I was looking at the standard scriptures we might give for proving the openness or like the continuation of the gifts. So like Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 or 1 Corinthians 12. And I'm like, okay, well, the gifts are there, but we all, as Pentecostals, we would always say, but apostle, that, that little gift is gone, but everything else is here. But apostle is the, the gift we single out and say no. Or if we do allow it, it's like a little a apostle, not a, not the capital A like Matthew or Paul. What's and the difference between a little a and a big A? As I've heard it, a little a would be like some great missionary, church planter, evangelist, pastor guy, like a pastor on steroids and a, an evangelist all put together. The big A would be like Paul who could write down scripture and like has a level of authority and he can centralize the faith and unite us all together. While being a pastor on steroids. Pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. He's like a super saiyan kind of thing. So I'm like, I think most Pentecostals are 90% Pentecostal. I've, I just feel like I'm the consistent 100% guy who's saying, it's all for today. If, if you say all the gifts are here, but you stop at Apostle, I feel like you're not going far enough. But once again, like, where's the application? Like, how are we going to gather together all the great Christian literature of the last 1700 years, figure out what works as scripture and stuff it into the Bible if that hypothetical scenario ever comes up. And how do we do so in a way that Protestants, Catholics, and Orthodox Christians can all agree to? Yeah, um, that's where I'm like, we. I think God needs to do something like a Moses thing, just great <laughs> miracles and probably less digging into the past and putting it into the Bible, if that's how I understood you. I think it's more like God will raise up men and women, since I believe women can be pastors and why not apostles, which is also already revolutionary. And I lost even more credibility with my Baptist friends. Basically, I think he's going to raise up men and women to be apostles. And there's going to be such crazy miracles done through them. And they'll have enough truth and wisdom and power to wield the scripture rightly that we will just all be persuaded. I think that that's the hope. That's what I, at, at this point, it's just praying and hoping that it happens. Because with me, the gift of prophecy didn't come to me until I was open to it. So God kind of responds to your hunger level. And so you're saying, if only there were thousands of Christians across the world who were hungering for the gift of apostleship and who were hungering to go full Super Saiyan, 100%, create their own books of scripture. Uh, yeah, something like that. But we would only add scripture if God is the one writing through it, because all scripture is God-breathed. We're, we're, we won't add anything, no matter how good it is, if God's not the one who's literally writing it with you, then no, don't add it. Do you see that kind of scenario happening in this day and age, especially with the coronavirus going on? Ooh, great question. Actually, yes. Because in this day and age, we're in the last days. And in the last days, God says, I'll pour my spirit in all flesh. And with the kingdom of God, we, we should actually expect greater miracles, greater communication, greater, more prophecy, uh, not less. So it's funny how cessationists are like, no, no, the miraculous stuff is supposed to die away. But I'm, no, I'm like Jesus says, John 14, 12, 
he who believes in me will not only do the works that I do, but greater than these. And in this time of the pandemic, that's actually making people hungry and less dependent upon themselves. And they're probably looking outside of themselves. So I'm like, the ground is being set for revival to me. It's, it's like, that's the time where people are realizing they're not gods and they will look up, hopefully. Some of them. Yeah. Not everyone. Definitely not there are probably some who are just going to depend on the government. Yeah, the government will become the new god. But totally, I can see it happen for sure. And so right now, do you think this is the beginning of the tribulation? Or do you think this is just setting the stage for the last days to come in a couple decades? Tribulation? I'm not, I don't know. I'm a pan-millennialist. I don't know. I hope it just pan out. I have some ideas of how the world will come to an end, but the seven years and then three and a half years in, the Antichrist comes up and Satan rules the world through the beast on the earth. And then there's this great harlot. I'm not too sure. All I know is our future right now, our present is actually really full of potential. It really is. And so what have you been doing to capture? lies on that potential more prayer and i'm thinking of things like this this podcast stuff it can help reach people because more people are just forced to go online more so online is the more town place city place town square where you can just talk so there's that and honestly i think that's where it stops for now because i have lots of clothes i could give to the poor But honestly, I'm kind of broke and I need to socially isolate myself. So I'm kind of stuck. A lot of people are pretty stuck right now. (laughs) Yeah. So we got to soldier through. And for the apostle thing, I think the reason why it comes such so much of a shock is that we've just been culturally trained in our Christian theology, our pastors, people we trust and respect. And there's like, I, I grew up in it, but it's just the thing we just accept. And there's no respectable, reputable person who's saying the other side. So that's why I think it's a, it's a culture shock to hear. Yeah, actually, the Bible's not closed. It's like, what? But if you get over the shock and you think about it, it's like, okay, maybe it's reasonable. And so what do you think of what's happening in this day and age where culture and tradition, particularly the way that church has been doing things for like decades, even centuries now, all of that is starting to break down? What do I think about the breakdown? Yeah, like, is is that going to be the time when people are going to be able to step away from those traditions and be able to pursue these ideas of, oh, hey, maybe this is valid? Yeah, with the rise of the internet and just people from different denominations and just different ways of thinking are so much more able to communicate with each other. I'm a product of it, that it's already happening. It's been happening way before, where you can have a Baptist go to a Pentecostal college and be like, no, it's actually not too bad. We're populating each other's thinking. And we're realizing that the denominations that that stand today are either going to force themselves to keep their standards and exclude a lot more people, or they're going to lessen their standards and make it easier to coexist. But yeah, I think the breakdown's already happening because I think maybe in our college, most of the students, probably if they were really pressed to agree to a statement of faith, a specific one, they might not agree to it with the more detail it has. So like, for example, if a a college has a statement of faith, which says that we don't believe that homosexuality is a valid lifestyle, and someone might read that, and they might not be gay themselves, but they still might think to themselves, well, I don't really agree with that. Yeah, there's definitely some things we must stand against. So the homosexual thing, yeah, we'd have to say it's, it's a sin like any other, and we have to call it what it is. But for the secondary doctrines, that's where the church is, it's losing its cookie cutter mold. So hence the Frankenstein theologian in front of you. And what, what would you say those secondary doctrines are? 
Uh, secondary would be like, can a woman preach? Can you baptize babies? Well, how exactly will the end of the world happen? Is there a literal 1,000 year reign or is it just all symbolic? And stuff like that. Would you consider speaking in tongues to be primary or secondary doctrine? Secondary. Definitely secondary. There's not, nothing in scripture to say that if someone doesn't speak in tongues, they're hell bound. No. What about where it says in scripture that speaking in tongues is evidence that the Holy Spirit is in you? I would challenge you to find where that scripture is. But I would say the baptism of the Holy Spirit is evidenced by power, but I haven't encountered any verse that would explicitly say the evidence is speaking in tongues. I, I can understand how people might prove it, but I have yet to see it. Other than that, for my own position about modern apostles, modern prophets, I don't, I don't think that's primary. I think we can agree to disagree. Acts 19.6, uh, Paul finds in Ephesus some disciples of John the Baptist who had never heard of the Holy Spirit. Paul explains to them that John pointed people forward to Jesus. And so verse 5 says, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon the Holy Spirit, uh, came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. But I don't see that verse saying, and anyone who is baptized in the Holy Spirit will speak in tongues. Well, how do you know that someone is baptized in the Holy Spirit then? I think anyone who has truly been baptized in the Spirit has a power, a supernatural encounter. Like for me, I think I spoke in tongues before I was baptized in the Spirit, which is left field again. I didn't expect it, but I just had a sensation to speak. And there's no trembling or anything. But once I spoke, I felt closer to God and I had no idea what I was saying. But I felt my spirit getting more on fire. And then later on, I think as I was just studying the Bible and just going on in my faith, I was praying that I would be baptized in the Spirit, and I think I was filled, but I'm walking away knowing that there has been a power experience with me. And then I actually got a vision of a dove, doves or a dove going out of my chest and back in, as if God is trying to say, you're not going to get that experience. It's, you know it, but here's just the vision. I'm not going to give you that crazy experience. It's already happened. So I would say that if someone says, well, I've been baptized in the Spirit, I studied about it, and a nice Reformed Baptist told me I, I'm baptized in the Spirit, I'm like, no. When, when I look through Acts, everyone who is baptized in the Spirit, it was felt, it was public, people knew about it. The apostles were laying on of hands, they, might, they broke out in tongues and prophesying, like is shown there. So I'm like, that is the normative expression of baptism in the Spirit. But I don't think we can prove from Scripture that everyone spoke in tongues, because when Philip preached to the Samaritans, and they didn't receive the Spirit, the apostles came, and it says that Simon knew that they were being baptized in the Spirit. He saw the gifts, or that, that gift being transferred, but it didn't go into detail about how the Samaritans specifically reacted. So I'm like, it seemed like an argument from silence. Okay. And maybe from my end, too, because maybe they all did speak in tongues. But it's like, to conclusively prove that. But there was another topic, I think, that we could jump into. And that is? My weird battle with the fornication being a sin or not. And it comes into why I even call myself the noble heretic is because, like, I was just like, okay, Acts 17, 11, if Paul was going to preach to the Bereans and he preached something that was true, he preached the gospel, but they were like, wait, hold on, Paul, I want to read the scripture first and make sure what you're saying is right. And the scripture says they were noble because of that. So I'm like, I always really accepted fornication as being a sin, but I didn't quite prove it and settle it in my head. It's just what everyone said. So not in the name of wanting to sleep around, but in the name of wanting to find the truth, 
I'm like, let's look at the Bible with a clean slate. And to the horror of my eyes, I couldn't prove that fornication was a sin. Because when you get into the Greek word porneia, and you just challenge your assumptions when you read the texts that you used to use to prove that fornication was a sin, you realize it's not as easy. So that kind of made me a heretic and I felt noble. I don't have any ill will to the people who were like, dude, you need to stop what you're saying and they were challenging me. But praise God that I think the verse to use to prove that fornication is a sin is Ezekiel 16 verses 30 to 34. Because that was the verse. I was just in my room and I was just like, wait a minute, what about that verse? So I looked at it. And What's the, verse the context is, of that uh, passage? Yeah, the passage is God's basically rebuking his people and he's calling them a whore, a prostitute. And then he's like, but you're not like any prostitute, verse 30 to 34, because normal prostitutes get paid. You don't want to. Instead, you give gifts and you just want the men to come to you and that's who you are. You're not normal. So I'm like, well, if fornication was not a sin, then that should be fine. But since God is saying that he's framing the whole thing as an expression of evil, as worse than being a normal prostitute, and he's using the word, I'm like, okay, and it's implied fornication's a sin. Boom, checkmate. So then so, I was just like, there you go. If, if we get anything positive out of this episode, <laughs> to the people uh, who've managed to stick through, follow if you, just need, know that if you need an extra resource to, to, to <laughs> tell yes. people that they're living in sin, Boom. just go to that part it's, in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 16, 30-34. It, it, it is a sin. It is a sin. There you go. I think I might have misspoke again and said it, it isn't a sin. Oh my gosh. It is. And um, I just challenge every, anybody. I'm, I'm free to do a debate if you want. Like I just If there's someone who wants to come on and be like, no, I want to challenge Philip. I just say, study the kingdom of God and the new covenant and look at the passages that talk about the gifts and try to isolate apostle from everything else you'd say is for today because they're, they're a package. Is there anything else that you wanted to touch on? Uh, no, no, was, no, that, that was, it was good. I wouldn't mind coming on again. That's for sure. Probably with someone who disagrees against Absolutely. your views more strongly yeah. it'd be it'd be pretty awesome all in love all in a good time because i i do that de- i definitely don't want to come off as i've figured it all out i'm perfect and there's no problems no way no way my room is messy nathan can see into my room it is not what it should be <laughs> and so was my soul would you want to have matt slick on <sighs> yeah no i respect again? the guy round two yeah let's do it and that that's a reference I, uh, for those who don't know, I had a little, I was so messy. I was, it was about women being pastors and me and him went again, we went toe to toe and uh, I wish I could have spoke more clearly. I still think he's wrong still, but I love him as a brother. I respect him. Karm.org. That is his website. And that has helped me systematize my faith so much. Major respect to Matt. But yeah, round two, yeah, let's throw down the gloves on. If it ever gets to that point. If, yeah. It's maybe true. in like two or three years. Maybe. So before we sign off, is there anything else you want to plug? Websites, books? I like to plug in Jesus. If, if you don't know Jesus and you're listening to these two guys, just know that Jesus, he's real. He loves mankind. And with him, he, he's not about just rules and trying to kill your fun. He's actually here to save lives and to save souls. And he, he loves you with an incredible passion and 
he wants to save you from our, from yourself because we're all messed up. And he died on a cross to pay for the broken things that we did so that we could have eternal life with him, fellowship with a God of love and peace and goodness. And also follow this podcast. But Nathan and Samir's podcast, it is amazing. Thank you. No problem. Anyways, see you guys later. Peace. This has been Because We're Not the Same, a podcast hosted, produced, and edited by Nathan Raymond Ray, with special guest Philip Natarak. To listen to more episodes, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Verbal, or Podbean. You can also visit our Facebook page or our website, bwntscast.wordpress.com. If you're interested in coming on the show as a guest, feel free to reach out to us and we'll see about having you on. Thank you for listening.